Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. We are your hosts, James and Anthony. In this episode, let's do a preview of Indiana Jones 5, The Dial of Destiny. Welcome back to the show. We are super excited to be talking about the namesake of the show, Indiana Jones 5. We've done a lot of research. It's still basically all speculation, but we think we have a pretty good understanding of what to expect with Indy. We're going to kind of like see what we have in store, what we're going to look for in this film. What do you think, Jim? Are you excited for this movie? Well, I'm ecstatic because obviously you all know we love indie. It's the namesake of the show, like Anthony said, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Raiders of the Lost Podcast, obviously. So oh, indie's a character that we've always connected with since we were young kids. And just, you know, it's one of those things where we were born and grew up and like Indiana Jones was just part of pop culture, part of American Hollywood culture. He was everywhere. And, you know, th- those movies came out and then there was even a TV show in the early 90s. So... He's always been the zeitgeist of maybe the most heroic male character in film history. Very masculine guy that people really love. And the hero quality of Indiana Jones is just maybe trumps all other characters in well, my yeah, opinion. That's a good point because he kind of was the big superhero of cinema before superheroes became large. Obviously Superman uh, had quite a few films, but Indiana Jones was like the hero character for decades and growing up I still I viewed him as like bigger a bigger hero than any other superhero that was like if they had a movie if they had a TV show there was just something special about Indy probably because he's just a man he has no powers he goes on the most incredible adventures he has great qualities for a character both good and bad he's flawed but ultimately at the end of the day every one of the Indiana Jones movies are fun they're exciting and there is a nostalgia factor to them. Even to the New Kingdom of Crystal Skull film in 08, it still had that quality. It feels like it's an old movie. It felt like old Hollywood in a way. They're timeless. Yeah, and also being set in the 20s and 30s helps a lot. Uh, the thing with Indiana Jones is I never want to see a new indie. I, I never want to see another character actor play the character. I never want to see anyone as, other than Harrison Ford to play Indiana Jones. For me... Uh, Indiana Jones is as tied to Harrison Ford as any character can be. The thing with James Bond, we've had, what, nine James Bond actors, but it was a series of novels beforehand. Same thing with Spider-Man, Batman, a lot of these, uh, Jack Ryan, Jason Bourne, will eventually be another Jason Bourne because they were a series of novels before Matt Damon took the role. So I've, I have a feeling that they're going to try to replace Harrison Ford eventually, and I don't think many people will like it. For me... Indiana Jones is Harrison Ford. And so I'm happy that this movie uh, is happening. And it seems as though it will be the fitting conclusion that we've all been hoping for. Last Crusade, if they ended it, there could have been a good ending for Indy. And Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, another pretty good ending. Not quite as strong. But ultimately, it looks like with what James Mangold and company have been saying, they have a really fitting conclusion for the character arc. Now, Indiana Jones... in the Dial of Destiny, excuse me, is scheduled to be theatrically released in the United States on June 30th, 2023. And this is going to be a Disney movie. And also, if you're tuning into the episode right now and you're realizing it might sound a little different, might look a little different, we are currently recording at Spotify headquarters in downtown Los Angeles. Spotify, thank you so much for inviting us to come record an episode. We did our Stranger Things episode last year here, which was a lot of fun, but now this is the second time we've been invited back. Hopefully we get invited back a third time. Don't break (laughs) anything, Anthony, all right? But take as many of those Pellegrinos as you can find. (laughs) And this is going to be directed by James Mangold. A little synopsis of this new indie film. In 1969, American archaeologist and adventurer Indiana Jones lives against the backdrop of the space race. Jones is uneasy over the fact that the U.S. government has recruited former Nazis to help beat the Soviet Union in the competition to make it to space. Damn Nazis. Damn Nazis. His goddaughter, Helena, accompanies him on his journey. Meanwhile, Jürgen Voller, a NASA member and ex-Nazi Involved with the moon landing program, wishes to make the world a better place as he sees fit. So the synopsis gives us a ton of hints and clues as to some plot points and thematic elements of this film. Obviously, it's an Indiana Jones movie. 
He goes, with Nazis like spaghetti and meatball, we got to have the Nazis in there somehow. He's going to punch one in the face for sure. And I love the backdrop of the space race because, you know, it's 1969 now. I'm sure the Cold War will be a thematic element for sure as well. But I think the space race was a really special and intriguing time in American culture for sure. And in, in the world, world culture yeah. in general, just watching the race, who's going to get to the moon first. Obviously, Sputnik in space first, the first satellite by the Soviets, and then you know the, the Americans just putting so much of their federal budget into trying to get to the moon. I think it's a really fascinating way to kind of put the scope of the movie even bigger and larger than just kind of an artifact, which I'm sure will be part of the movie as well. And also a questionable part of American history of recruiting former Nazis for the for the project as scientists and and physicists on the on that project. Another big change, other than James Mangold taking over for this film, is this is actually going to be the first Indiana Jones movie that is not a Paramount Pictures production. If you've seen any Indiana Jones movie, they always have a clever way of including that mountain on the Paramount logo and then inserting it in, into the film. So the, in Last Crusade, it was the, the mountain was actually just like the groundhog's little hill, oh, yeah, and they all come yeah, out yeah. of it. And in the other films, often it will be like a, a mountain or a crater that Spielberg will transition from the Paramount logo into that. And so Paramount has been producing these films with Lucasfilm, the first four. Now Disney, which purchased Lucasfilm a few years ago, they are overseeing this project. So that is another big change. George Lucas and Spielberg are on this project as executive producers, so they don't have story credits. They aren't involved in the actual filmmaking. They basically handed over the reins to David Cope, the writer, and James Mangold, the director. Now James Mangold is a very talented guy. I've been a fan of his since, since Copland. And he just made Four vs. Ferrari. He made Logan, one of the best uh, comic book film adaptations. He's a very strong and very reliable director, so I think it was a safe choice to go with him. And at his age, he probably grew up really loving Indiana Jones, seeing them in the 80s. And so for this is probably, my guess, a dream job for him. So I think that Indiana Jones 5, even though it's not in Spielberg's hands, it's, it is in safe and trust and hands with Bangold. Absolutely, but this will also be the first Disney production of an Indiana Jones movie. Can we expect some changes to the character and maybe some thematic elements of the film that we typically see from a studio like Disney when they take over the reins of, a, of an old IP that's already had a ton of entertainment value in, in films and TV series? Usually, yeah, so I'm expecting not exactly to be a completely like dig- Disney-fied movie, yeah. but I think James Mangold... He's such a, a great director that, and seems so passionate when you read his interviews talking about Indy and how he says that he has a lot of creative control of this film. Like, for example, he's a big believer in practical practical effects, especially for this movie because it's an Indiana Jones movie. We need practical effects. Obviously, there are plenty of CGI moments in the last indie film, but Mangold actually opposed using the Stagecraft virtual production technology developed by ILM, Industrial Light and Magic, for Lucasfilm's The Mandalorian series, as well as it's been a production commonality, commonality in a lot of films nowadays. Even the Batman was heavily shot with those Stagecraft virtual productions, and he's wanting to re- rely mainly, mainly on practical effects while at the same time doing heavy CGI for de-aging characters like Indy. I think that's the great way to go about this because indie if for for anything it's famous and iconic for its stunt work especially the first film that was a huge leap forward for stunt work in american cinema that um that car chase the the caravan chase sequence when those stunt men are that guy's in front of the wheel just like hanging on for dear life going under the truck uh, riding the horses jumping on and off vehicles the stunt work in the first indie was like no, no one had ever seen that before in a huge film. Not in a film. long time. In, but they would see like one stunt here and there, but not an entire 20-minute sequence of basically all stunt work. And then each film kept compounding on it and getting crazier and crazier. And then Last Crusade has amazing, like that with the tanks, uh, with all those vehicles, and Indy takes out like an entire army of Nazis. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And Spielberg did go heavy CGI in the fourth film, which I think was a mistake. He probably learned his lesson from that. But stunt work is so important to the DNA of an indie film. One thing that I'm worried about Disney that they might eliminate from indie is Indiana Jones movies always have this element of extreme violence happening. And it's not throughout the entire film, but something crazy will happen. Crazy deaths will happen like once or twice in in a film. Whether it be him just shooting that guy that he's about to have the sword fight with in the first one. Or the the Temple of Doom heart being ripped out of the man's chest and being lowered into the lava. 
or in, uh, in even in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, uh, a bunch of bad guys get incinerated by fire. Like there's there can be extreme moments of gory violence that just makes the PG-13 rating and just pushes it as like a hard PG-13. I have a feeling we might not see any of those in a Disney production because those are some of my favorite parts of indie is that Spielberg will always go crazy with a little violence just to get you like excited. And like I watched Kingdom of the Crystal Skull last night and watching those guys get burned up alive, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. <laughs> Even because, the ants sequence. Yeah, yeah, the ant sequence is very brutal violence. It's disturbing. So, so there are there is brutal violence and brutal deaths take place in every indie film. I have a feeling that might be missing in this one. Not to mention Indy is a killer. Yeah. Indy kills people a mm. lot in his movies. And I feel like if that's a great point, and they probably will get to go to the point where maybe we don't see Indiana kill somebody or yeah. we don't see Helena kill somebody. Not that she has to or not that he has to, but that's kind of been an element of every Indiana Jones Indiana Jones movie is Indy kills people. He's not a perfect hero. He's not exactly an anti-hero. He's just like a guy who's been thrust into these situations and these adventures that he puts him in on these quests trying to find these artifacts and raiding tombs and for the good of archaeology, sometimes he has to come across somebody that has to be put down. It's either him or me, and I'm going to take him out. It's going to be awesome. And I, I predict, like, in addition to that, that he won't kill anybody Yeah, Let's by, get, by yeah. like, a gun or, like, us seeing him it happen. Maybe because of they won't something sh- he does. It'll be off-screen. Off screen. Off screen violence yeah. for sure. Let's get into the, the, the cast, though. So we have Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who is going to be the new biggest cast member. She's going to be a co-lead on this film, and she's playing Helena Shaw, Jones' goddaughter. Mangold identifies Helena as a catalyst for the film, kicking off the film's plot after dragging her godfather into a problem of hers. She's also the daughter of an old friend of Indy who hasn't been shown in any of the films before. She's- I think mean, that's going to be played by Antonio Banderas? Uh, Antonio Banderas has a uh, different last name. Okay. I'll get to him. And so Helena's gotten herself into a bit of trouble and brings that into Indy's doorstep. She's a character who's a wonderful set of contradictions, charming and brilliant, but also a lot of trouble. Now, Antonio Banderas is playing Ronaldo, an old friend of Indiana Jones. We don't know much about his character besides that. Boyd Holbrook will be playing Clobber, Voller's nefarious right-hand man in 1969. So Voller, Jurgen Voller will be played by Mads Mikkelsen, a former Nazi during World War II who has been hired by NASA and seeks to use the Apollo moon landing program for his own gain. Inspired in part by real-life Nazi-turned-NASA engineer Werner von Braun. So interesting how they're throwing that into this film. I love Antonio. I love Mads Mikkelsen. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is so talented. I'm a big fan of her show Fleabag and Killing Eve. So I'm excited to see her involved in the Indiana Jones franchise. And from what I've seen from the trailer so far, it looks like her and Harrison Ford have a great chemistry of back and forth. And let's not forget, John Reese davis is back as Sala. Yes, yes. Our favorite dwarf from Lord of the Rings, Gimli, <laughs> is also, he plays Sala in the original Indiana Jones films. He's in the first, first one and the third, third one. Yeah. And so he hasn't been in, he wasn't in the fourth one. But it's so cool to get him back. I wonder if we'll get some more cameos from other actors who've appeared in the franchise. Obviously, I think something that's a possibility is Kihi Kwan coming back as short round, maybe for a cameo, maybe for a post-credit scene to maybe boot off a franchise with Kihi Kwan because he's so in demand right now, especially after this awards ceremony program. I mean, circuit with he's winning multiple awards. He, he's up for the Oscar. He might win the Oscar. And I think people are just now in de- are, are thirsty for short round again. Like, bring him back. It'd be so cool. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he got a series. I can see him. I, I bet you Disney was like, Whoa, everything everywhere all at once was huge. Kiki Kwan is back. Let's try to rewrite something or maybe add a scene with him. Why not? Just mm-hmm. to see, even just for fun. Even just for Kiki Kwan. Also, Karen Allen as Marion. Could she come back? There's no confirmation yet. She's not on the cast list on IMDb. So there's always a possibility there. And keep or- in mind, this this will be set a couple of decades after the last film. So maybe they got divorced. Maybe she passed away. These are possibilities. Also, I'm curious about Mutt. Mutt Williams. I got that right here. Yeah, will he be in it? So Shia LaBeouf as Mutt. uh, Jones' son, Mutt Williams, played by Shia LaBeouf, will not be in the sequel, Indiana Jones 5. Mangold promises that audiences will find out what happened to him, but wouldn't say more. So Shia is out as Mutt for this project right now. I think that was a smart choice because I just just watched Kingdom of Crystal Skull, and uh, I think that making his son a greaser with an attitude was a mistake because I was watching the film, and you're watching Indiana Jones with Mutt, and Mutt is an extremely unlikable guy. Yeah. But Indiana Jones is infectiously charming, great personality, and you can't help but love him. 
And so I think that making him such making Mutt such an unlikable character was a mistake. And they should have maybe if they gave him more more similarities with their, his characteristics to Indiana, it probably would have worked out better. But I actually think it's a good decision not to have Mutt in here. Plus, the unlikability factor with Shia LaBeouf for the many controversies he's had over mm-hmm. the last few years, I think that's probably the main reason why they didn't bring him back. For sure. And Absolutely, probably he yeah. wouldn't want to do it because he didn't like Indiana Jones 4 that he made it. He He's actually he also, outspoken yeah, against yeah. it, talking, <laughs> talking he, smack he about bad it. He bad-mouthed Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Big mistake, buddy. After Spielberg got him the Transformers <laughs> job. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, filming began in June 2021 for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Our title just got released about a month and a half ago. We didn't know what it was called for so long. It was just Indiana Jones Forever. Filming wrapped in February 2022. Wouldn't that be the title of the next one? Indiana Jones Forever. (laughs) (laughs) And there have been several rumors of reshoots for this movie. Many are unconfirmed. They're kind of just, they could just be fluff in the air because... Right now, we're going to get a lot of supposed rumors and supposed facts about this production. It happens with a lot of these big movies. Remember when the Batman was coming out, everyone was saying that like Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson hate each other. They were saying oh that Robert Pattinson and Zoe, and Zoe Kravitz had sex in the Batmobile <laughs> and that, that she was pregnant. All these crazy rumors were floating around everywhere, so always take any rumor you hear with a grain of salt. I know there's the potential leak that John Williams kind of said that they were potentially reshooting a new ending for the movie. Not sure. Unverified. I believe James Mangold came out and said that that was just a – he misspoke. They That the filming is 99% The movie's 99% done. They've already filmed it and everything. So always take rumors with a grain of salt. A lot of these people on these platforms are trying to get clicks, trying to get views, yeah, yeah, yeah. engagement. So they might just make things up like the Batman stuff completely. And it's, it's kind of a commonality for major movies if – a studio is not sure to maybe film not exactly a different ending, but different kind of ways about going to an ending. And that's kind of common, but also reshoots for big budget films are, are a constant thing. Like every every major film that's made by a studio, they allot time in post-production to actually do reshoots. So the word reshoots is not a nasty word, does not mean that the film is in trouble, does not mean the pro- the production is under trouble. Reshoots are a part of studio production because they're shooting so many big things with huge sets and they only have so much money at a time. They'll shoot like the film, but then they'll be like, oh, we should have got this. We needed this. We need this shot. What if we had this? So they already plan and schedule and a lot budget for about two to three weeks of reshoots for them to fill in the gaps that they kind of miss during production. So if you hear the word reshoot tossed around, it's nothing to worry about. And there's a lot of rumors that did they film six different endings, five different endings of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Are they kind of just like doing test audience screenings with different cuts of the movie, different endings of the movie? We don't know. We have no idea. We're not in this production. We didn't write the movie. We're not part of the production at all. So no one knows anything really. And James Mangold, he, he actually is active on Twitter and he does a lot of, you know, replying when it comes to big rumors and stuff like that. So he was asked questions like that on Twitter back in December 2022 and he said six months to the worldwide release, but our post-production schedule is over in weeks. So they've already finished post-production mm-hmm. probably now, meaning they didn't shoot a new ending in December. Even though that quote from John Williams was in December, James Mangold is saying on Twitter that they've already finished it. And someone else asked, is there a bunch of alternate scenes and endings? Mangold said, well, it is so kind of you to call me BS, but I made Logan and Ford vs. Ferrari and Indiana Jones 5, and it didn't happen on any of them. I can only speak to my experiences. Be well. So James Mangold, I kind of like when, you know, actors or directors or filmmakers respond to a lot of rumors and criticisms. James Gunn does it a lot, too, where he'll dispel rumors. Some people hate it. Some people love it. I think it's really cool to see that, you know, he does. they don't want bad information to get out there or or bad press for their movie or people to get confused about what's going to happen. And there's such a sensationalization with the process of filmmaking that a lot of YouTube channels or news outlets will... They'll just do anything to get clicks, and they'll say anything and create, come up with the craziest lies or 
or they'll hear something ridiculous and then they'll spread it themselves just so they can get views. The Batman things yeah. I was just telling about. So yeah, I, they had sex on the Batmobile yeah. and Zoe oh Kravitz got pregnant. That was like a huge rumor I mean, for I, yeah. months. I remember getting DMs about that. I was like, that's no way that's, that happened. So I think it's terrific that Mangold and a few other filmmakers respond to these criticisms, respond to these concerns from fans to clear the air and also let people be like, okay, you need to chill out. This Nothing bad is going on. There's no conspiracy. It's just people <laughs> getting clickbait for their views and for their own benefit, so don't panic. But there is something that I am just – I'm not totally sure about, but we'll see what happens because what happens with a lot of these like legacy sequels or when a major corporation takes over a property and continues producing the stories, I, I think that too many times we've seen these – new versions of these characters that we love and oftentimes they're like shells of themselves and have to be like bossed around by the new lead character and Han Solo yeah and they and, they, and so many others and they seem like they don't know what's going on and and the young cast are like amazing at everything and then the character we love is just a bozo I hope that because one of the strongest films of last year was obviously Top Gun Maverick and what that film did so well even if you're not a big fan of Tom Gun, even if you don't like Tom Cruise, you can't help but sh- but you, you have to sh- you can't help but deny that that film it was still ta- it was still Maverick's film through and through. They didn't replace him with anyone. They didn't have anyone else take the sticks at the end of the day. Not even Rooster. They didn't ha- even have his best friend's son take over the jet and kill the bad guys. It was still Maverick saving the day at the end of the film, doing what he does best because that's what we wanted to see. We didn't want to see him get replaced. We didn't want him to be like this guy who's out of his luck and can't do anything right and needs to be like re-shown the ropes by some young cast. I hope that it's Indy 5, it kind of goes with that same trajectory where it's still an Indiana Jones movie and at when, when the chips are down, when the final act of conflict is happening, it's Indiana Jones doing what he does best, and that's kicking ass and saving the day. That's what I hope to see in this film. I agree. You know, it always lets me down and bums me out when these characters who we've watched their movies 20 times each, whether it's Han Solo or somebody else, or even Luke Skywalker for just picking on the Star Wars trilogy, <laughs> the new one, you know, there are great elements to those films, but obviously shells of themselves characters. You know, all the lessons that they learned in those movies that we grew up with are just out the window now. And they're back to where they were before they learned all those lessons and learned all those life lessons. And it's like, and same thing kind of with Rocky too in the yeah, first with Rocky. Movie. Also, I read about the new Willow show, and apparently he's basically getting replaced by the new cast. And, and, I, and if they make show. enough, if they make a new yeah. one. And the thing with Rocky in the first Creed movie, I like the first Creed movie a lot. It's a great concept, and I love taking the lead with Creed's son. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what they did to Rocky, this guy, when you watch those original Rocky movies. He is the most inspirational character I've ever seen in a film before. Nothing makes me want to run through a brick wall like ro- watching Rocky One. I, Rock- I can attest that I just two. watched them and I didn't. You know want this to run character? Wall. He's been in five movies and his his strength of will is the is massive. He's unstoppable. That's his strength. His will. His yeah. willpower is yeah. massive. The human spirit spirit that Rocky embodies. It's gone by the first film. Yes, Adrian's passed away, and this is before he's diagnosed with cancer. He's he's just kind of lost, and he's just stuck. And that doesn't seem like Rocky to me. Even if he does lose Adrian, someone like Rocky wouldn't let that stop him from living his life. He would live his life because Adrian would want him to, and because of his human spirit and his drive. He wouldn't just give up on life. That's an example a fighter, of, yeah. of a character that's kind of just lost who he was or who she was, and I hope they don't do that with Indy. It seems like Mangold won't let that happen, I think. I hope and so, yeah. And I, I think, I hope Indy's Indy. That's what I want. I want Indiana Jones to be Indiana Jones, yeah. the one we know and love. And it, Logan, he was like that, but that's because he lost everyone in his life. You know, there was nobody left to love. His best friend and father figure was suffering, suffering from dementia. His life was a ruin Every, because the world for mutants was ruined. And so that it made sense for Logan for him to be like that. He's he's a shell of himself because everybody's dead. So that made sense. But when it's still like the same world and not much has changed and the character you love is just such a downtrodden, different human being, I, I can't I, I'm getting getting really tired of that. But also, in terms of casting, I so would you like to see Indiana Jones portrayed by another actor in the future? I think eventually it doesn't matter what we want, it's gonna happen. Yeah, but I'm asking your opinion though. 
What do you want? I need some time. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it depends on this movie, I think. It depends on how they conclude it. I know Harrison said it's his last movie. His He's going to do five, and he's done. And he's you know he's getting up there in age. He still is killing it. He's 81. I, I, I hope I'm looking like that and moving like that when I'm 81, too. <laughs> I hope to God I am. But, I mean, at the same time, can we keep watching action-adventure movies of an elderly man? Like, you yeah. know, it's, it's I, starting yeah. to show a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of stunt work with this, with the face swapping, the digital CGI putting his face on the stunt actors, which you understand. Hopefully, it looks a little better than the trailer, which I'm sure was not a finished version of the CGI. I'm sure the final movie will have much better effects. That's just a trailer. and just, You're not supposed to pause a freeze frame of a movie with CGI yeah, in a and trailer judge it. to judge it like yeah, that. It's like, yeah. it's a goddamn movie. I think it looked very good. It looks solid. Yeah. I think it'll look even better yeah. when we see the movie eventually. I think it just wasn't a completely done visual effects shot because, you know, they're, they're putting everything, they're because putting didn't a Lucas, ton of money into didn't this. Didn't Lucasfilm hire that deep fake guy? I think so. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I can't did remember. The, uh, they, he did some work on Mandalorian. And what, what was I going on before that? About recasting. About recasting. I think that if they end this movie well with Harrison Ford, you know, going out in the sunsets... Hero at sunset, like they did with Logan, maybe not necessarily kill him. Maybe there's a new Indiana Jones. I wouldn't look at it as a replacement. I feel like it's just going to be like a James Bond character going forward. Well, the thing is, like, there's a new character that has become very popular, but is as well, like I said earlier, how Indy is tied to Harrison in such a important and physical way. And that was a great point because you said there's yeah. no source material on Indiana yeah, Jones. It's, it's not Ford. books. It's not comics. Yeah. John Wick is similar, where John Wick is so tied to Keanu. Would you ever want to see someone else playing the character of John Wick? No, I want to watch John Wick 17 with yeah. Keanu, 82 that, years yeah, old. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't want to see another character, another actor play John Wick, and I don't want to see another actor play Indiana Jones. If you want to spin off from the character, if you want to build around the world that they created, I'm all for that. But I just think that once Harrison Ford is done with this film— I think the best thing for Lucasfilm and Disney to do is to, you know, hang up the hat, come up with new characters, and then leave Indiana Jones o- alone for the rest of Forever. time. <laughs> That's what I Good think. Good luck with that. <laughs> well, it seems like Helena might be taking the mantle or the whip or hat there was, going forward. I, there's speculation that in rumors that in Disney Plus is planning an Indiana Jones spinoff TV show. So if that is true... My guess is that they're planning something with Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character, Helena, in this film. Or maybe another character that they bring in. And now the TV series for Disney Plus has been rumored. I'm sure that's a plan. You know, they, They're taking all these IPs and making universes out of them. I'm sure they'll make more movies and TV series with different characters from the Indiana Jones world. There's actually already an Indiana Jones show in the 1990s called The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. It aired for two seasons on ABC from 1992 to 1993 with four made-for-TV specials airing on the Family Channel, now Freeform, between 1994 and 1996. Harrison Ford actually made a cameo appearance in one episode, but the show focused primarily on the early years of the character, with Sean Patrick Flannery and Corey Carrier playing him at different times in his life. George Hall played an elderly Jones, book-ending each episode. Now, I wouldn't hate, I guess, well, maybe I wouldn't, like an origin story of Indiana Jones. I don't want it. I don't, I don't want, want it. Get Origins. off my lawn. You wanted Origins? I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I never said that. I said I wouldn't hate it. Because I love... <laughs> that sounds like you want it. I love The Last Crusade, and I love the opening with young Indy. Oh, yeah, Indy, with Indy, Phoenix. Indy's yeah. first adventure. I think that's so fun. If they can capture that for a TV series, that would actually be a lot of fun, I think. But I think what they'll probably have to do is just give it to a different character, not Indiana Jones. Yeah, we'll But see. they want the name. They want the IP. So obviously you know they're just going to recast him. They, I, Indiana Jones is... The IP, but also Raiders of the Lost Ark is the IP too. Well, so if you throw in Raiders of the Lost Ark with a different character name, that might work. No, because Indiana Jones, they even changed the title of that movie officially. It's called Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones and the Raiders, Raiders of the Lost, Lost Ark. Jinx. Got it. Because it's the MacGuffin. They changed. Now, getting to the MacGuffin, every film has MacGuffin, the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy Grail. In this, in the Kingdom of Crystal Skull, the Crystal Skull is the MacGuffin. In this film, it's the, it's the object that yeah. drives the plot. Yeah, exactly. In this film, the Dial of Destiny is the MacGuffin. And the Dial of Destiny was a real thing. My question is, it's an interesting idea, Dial of Destiny, and immediately the thought I came to was time travel, also when you throw in the de-aging. But from what I've read, the DH sequence is an opening sequence. Maybe not all the de-aging is from we'll the see, opening yeah. sequence. We'll see, yeah. So they've said that the film is going to open with a uh, de sequence of Harrison Ford. 
And Toby Jones is going to be one of the actors in that. I've seen set photos, and uh, Harrison had dots all over his face. Yeah, they're on top of the train. So my question is, is that going to be the only scene we're going to be set that we're going to see set in the 40s, or will we also be seeing other scenes where maybe Harrison Ford, maybe uh, Indiana Jones uses the Dial of Destiny to go back in time? Also, uh, the Nazis were always interested in artifacts like that and pursuing the occult. So was this an object they were pursuing to try and get an upper hand during World War II? Did it have real powers? We've come to learn that generally these objects do have crazy powers in the Indiana Jones franchise. So what exactly can the Dial of Destiny do? My guess is it could change or alter the past or future. Yeah, and why not have Helena go back in time to 1944 at some point too? Maybe, be fun. maybe that opening sequence is tied in later into the film with Helena traveling back in time because obviously maybe if it's time travel's involved, Maybe she hooks up with old Indy, not hook up, oh. but like hangs out. <laughs> Links up. Links up with old in- with young Indy from 1944. You're very handsome. Or even an early God dad. Wow, my godfather is so tan. <laughs> um Maybe she links up with younger You're write Indy some fan fiction. in nineteen. I'm sure there already is, bro. In 1944, maybe even an earlier decade, or maybe there's even time traveling back much sooner because the locations for this film all over the place. Are very yeah. interesting. Let me let me pull it up. So obviously, a lot of this film was shot in the UK and in London. Also, a lot was shot in Scotland because there's beautiful castles and landscapes there, all over that country. Sicily was a major filming location for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, as well as Morocco. Now, And also, Sicily is well-known for their cave systems. And for ancient history. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, you know, this is just a speculation, just a guess. What if we're traveling back to ancient, ancient, ancient Italy, Rome. ancient Rome? Well, have you seen the set photos? No, I haven't seen any. There are set photos of ancient Roman soldiers. My guess is they, maybe a character is describing the artifact, and there might be some kind of montage of okay. history of when the Dial of Destiny was first discovered or whatever. My guess is we're going to get like a flashback sequence of when it was first used or or discovered. So it could be there could be sequences set in ancient Rome in this film, which I think would be a lot of fun. But also, also, I wouldn't so I wouldn't put it past a clever director like Mangold to keep people on their throw toes it off. and just put yeah. it just to throw people off. Yeah, I mean Nolan does that. It's just total BS on set. It's Nolan just- Nolan had a funeral for Miranda Tate and filmed it. For Dark Knight Rises to get people off the scent of Bruce Wayne actually dying in in public. <laughs> Did you know that? No, I didn't know so that. So they, they, they filmed a sequence at Wayne Manor of Bruce Wayne and everyone else. Like Michael Caine's there, Morgan Freeman's there, and there's a tone there's a stone that says Miranda Tate. And they filmed a funeral for Miranda Tate so, so that they knew that people would be taking photos from nearby and it would throw people off what the ending of Dark Knight Rises was. It was just all a fake scene they filmed. And then they cut to Michael Caine bawling his eyes yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's similar to with Endgame, how the funeral of Tony Stark was shot as a wedding scene for all those characters and actors because no one knew what the ending was going to be like besides char- like actors like Robert Downey Jr. and, and Russo's yeah. and some of the really more important characters that were involved in that final moment. So that sequence in, at the end of Endgame, that was supposed to be a funeral between Pepper Potts and Tony Stark that all the actors are like there for. I'm sure they shot in different ways. They're like, just just look brooding for this wedding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and also this film will be shot at, it was shot at Pinewood Studios, which has been a namesake studio for the major productions uh, set in the UK, whether it be Harry Potter, James Bond, or Indiana Jones. And I'm sure they still have like a lot of sets stored there. So they've always shot stuff at Pinewood. It is probably the most famous studio in all of Europe and uh, it just seems to be like a place where these massive films can build amazing sets. Because if you don't want to go CGI, if you don't want to go green screen, you got to go to a big studio location. And Pinewood is the best for that. How about we head on into our intermission? Even oh, sure. though there's still so much to talk about. But let's get our intermission going and then we'll get back. Because I want to talk about more of the cast and crew, the cinematography. J-Dubs, John Williams, the GOAT, obviously, production design. Do a little background on Indy and his adventures just to recap where he's been the last few decades. I think that's a great plan. And as well as some more theories about what this movie could be about. Just theories, not facts or anything. If you don't want to kind of 
be spoiled by potential spoilers that aren't true. But it's all speculation. It's not based on yeah, fact. It's, it's all just like we're th- we're spitballing ideas because we love Indiana we're getting Jones. clickbait views. We also love ancient culture, just like yeah, yeah. indie. So it's yeah. really great. Now let's get into our intermission, then we'll get back. Sounds good. The very best way to support Raiders of the Lost podcast is to become a patron right now at Patreon.com/slash Raiders of the Lost podcast. We have five different tiers to support us: as little as two dollars, five dollars. and $100 tier. Every tier has a bunch of awesome specific perks. Head to patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast and become a patron and help support the show as well as get a ton of bonus content. This episode is sponsored by our friends at MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. Don't forget to use our special promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order right now. They have a huge selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their poster library, as well as all sorts of sizes, framing, and even backlighting for your poster needs. And they do a bi-monthly movie poster giveaway contest with us. We have one live right now, so if you do want to enter for a chance to win a free movie poster from MoviePosters.com, go to our YouTube channel and make a comment in our video game adaptations episode. Once you make a comment that enters you into the giveaway contest, we're going to reveal the winner on Thursday, so be sure to stay tuned for who we select for the winner of a free poster. And if you don't win, be sure to go to MoviePosters.com and use our promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order today. Let's get into that intermission, Anthony. You ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right, let's start the movie quote competition. Here we go. Nature made me a freak. Man made me a weapon. And God made it last too long. (laughs) <laughs> That's something Wolverine would say. Nature made me a freak. Man made me a weapon. God made it, made it last too long. Yeah, I'm going Logan. No, I'm going Wolverine. Which one? Origins. Logan. Logan? Oh, man. I should, yeah. It's too uh, cool of a line for to be in Wolverine yeah, Origins. Yeah, it's a really cool line. <laughs> <laughs> right. Here's mine. I'm going to ha- I'm gonna go have a smoke right now. You want to smoke? You know smoke, do you, right? What are you, one of them fitness freaks, huh? Go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) How's your wedding come along? (laughs) It's great. She's a doctor. It's outstanding. It's outstanding. Being married is important. People see the ring, they see. (laughs) At least somebody can say the son of a bitch. (laughs) Women see the ring, they say. (laughs) (laughs) I want to try with his uh, accent. I'm going to have a smoke right now. You want to smoke? You don't smoke, do you? Right? What are you, one of them fitness freaks, huh? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Alec Baldwin. <laughs> Dude, he's so good in that he's movie. He's funny in that. Honestly, he should have got the actor nom over Marky Mark. Mark Wahlberg, yeah. <laughs> no, Mark's great in that movie, too. Moving on to guessing this movie release year. Anthony, you ready? I'm ready. When did Starman come out? Oh, with Jeff Bridges. This is a good one. I'm going 1982. 84. Oh, I was close. Karen Allen also stars oh, in that. Oh, yeah. That's a really good movie. So I have a movie release here, but I forgot to write down the date of the of the movie. Or the year of the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Cold Mountain. What year did it come out? Hmm. Was this, this, I think this was Jack White's movie debut, too. He, yeah, he plays the, the fiddle in that film and sings a couple of songs. I'm pretty sure I remember the date. I got it. I know it. I think it's 2004. It's 2002. All right. But it might be 2004. We'll see. I don't have any, <laughs> serv- I don't have any service on. in here. Hold on, Serpico. <laughs> I think it's so too. Cold Mountain. 2003. 2003. So yeah, you were wrong. So were you. Andy's <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure he was right. <laughs> movie pop quiz time. What Will Ferrell movie does Harrison Ford have a cameo in? Anchorman 2. That's right. The fight. This is a, that was a great cameo bunch. There's like 50 yeah. cameos Will in Smith that movie. Will Smith shows up. <laughs> Kristen Wiig and Amy Poehler. No, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler ride up in, like, a Jeep. It's so funny. It's, like, the only funny part oh of that God. movie, unfortunately. Well, actually, no. Uh, him is Ron Burgundy, like, on the couch pouring yeah, out. Yeah, the, yeah. When they that come, dialogue's great. Yeah, the, the improv is insane. Okay, here's my quiz. Who played Beowulf in Robert Zemeckis' adaptation of the famous poem? Oh, I know this. Who I'll is give, it? I'll give people a moment. See, this is how you do it, Anthony. You let people guess themselves. You can mock me all you want. <laughs> Ray Weinstone. Correct. Yeah. It's Winstone, though. Winstone, yeah. sorry. But yeah, you're right. Got it, man. Told you. I did all, I did a Winstone movies. He's in Cold Mountain. <laughs> Is he really? Yeah, he's a small role. I haven't seen that movie in so long. I remember it's a book that they make you Anthony read Anthony Mingella school. made it. Oh, no way. Yes, he did. English Patient, 
Talented Mr. Ripley, Cold Mountain, back-to-back-to-back. That's a great run. That's awesome. All right, Anthony, do we have any haters this week? We have or, a bunch. Or unsubscribes? We got some good ones. I have a Twitter unsubscribe. Let's hear it. So in our stoner episode, someone said, no mention of how high, unsubscribed. And then I wrote, is is from Mars Too Nice. And then I wrote, wrong. We mentioned uh, how high for a real quick second. I think Anthony was talking over me, but I said it. And then they wrote, re-unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because Kev Stein 227 wrote, Study high, take the test high, get get high scores. Guess you don't want your Apple score to be high. Keep forgetting how high unsubscribe. <laughs> I said it. I did. <laughs> All right. Next I think up. I think we were both talking at the same time yeah, when I said it, yeah, so yeah. I think maybe some people missed it. Aaron three point two wrote stoner movies and no mention of Grandma's Boy unsubscribe. I, know. I can't believe that. I love that movie too. How much do clothes cost in the Matrix? <laughs> Dude, your car, your bed's a car. My roommate's got it for me. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. <laughs> it's so silly. It's actually a funny movie. Yeah, we used to watch that a lot. Next up, it's Carl9378. You guys called the runners clickers unsubscribed. Sorry. I'm only I'm five hours gameplay in, so I'm learning of the other still, he's still infected. a noob. Guys. He's, he's such a noob. The other infected. Travis Ryan 1456. How could you not mention the greatest stoner comedy of all time? Reefer Madness. Unsubscribe. <laughs> That's that really old one. Next up, HG Man wrote, I think because just society is trending towards remakes and origins, I want to see Pineapple Express origins. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> and then Kid Condi wrote, The lack of key and peel knowledge is disappointing. Unsubscribed. You in there, bro? You in there, dog? You in there? Get in there, dog. Get You're in there. there. And then my favorite my favorite comment of the week was Daniel De La Porte wrote, just, I made a, a review of a film I watched last night, Il Buco. And I just talked about it's a great uh, photography of landscapes and nature, and so I described that in my letterbox review. And then Daniel wrote, "How does the existence of PATs affect the natural beauty of our Earth?" <laughs> and he's re- referencing me saying we don't need PATs in football anymore. So sick that was reference, a, bro. that was a sick reference, Daniel. Great job. Uh, that was that cracked me up. That was great. Yeah. On this day in film history, today is January twenty third in nineteen forty three. Casablanca was released in two thousand and four. The Butterfly Effect was released. In 2015, Cake and Mordecai are released. And happy birthday to Jack Rayner. Wow, Casablanca is almost 100 years old. That's insane. What's your streaming rec? It's going to be Hook on HBO Max, starring Robin Williams, Dustin Hoffman. I picked Boogie Nights, also on HBO Max, PTA. I heard you watching it the other night. His second film, and man, he did not disappoint with his sophomore effort. It's still so good. It's a movie that when I watched when I was like 17, I was like, whoa, I've never seen anything like that before. Did you see what his favorite movie from 2022 was? His favorite movie from 2022? No. 13 Lives. No way! Yeah. Oh my God, see, I knew I had good taste. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember when you saw that and you were like, dude, you have to see this movie. No one's talking about it and it's incredible. I finally watched it. It's two and a half hours about, but it... It was an incredible experience. Yeah, man. I, it's un- Unfortunately, if it came out 10 years ago, I bet it would have won the Oscar. But it's not just the kind of movie that people want to see anymore. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we talked about it last week. If you haven't seen 13 Lives, it is incredible. And when I watched that, I was like, for an hour into the film, I was like, this is one of the most insane movies I've ever seen. It's incredible. Ron Howard. Did, like, he I think might, it's his best movie. He might have topped Apollo 13. Honestly, it's that good of a film. And the actors did a phenomenal job. My God, it was just incredible filmmaking. And just it was in- so intense. One of the most intense film experiences I've ever had. Amazon Prime, watch it ASAP. Please put it on your watch list. It's, that- it's a story that is so impossible, but it's real. Yeah. And it's shocking. And it's I, I won't spoil it, what happens, but I've never seen anything like it before. Man, and was, it's real. Yeah. It happened. When I watched it, I was like, Jimmy, you're going to see this movie. You're going to watch it. It's, it's, cast, it does not disappoint everyone. Everyone's watch terrific. It. Colin Farrell, yeah. our, our boy Vigo. Vigo. <sighs> so good. <laughs> Anyways, speaking of Vigo, hold on real quick. So I watched The uh, Crimes of the Future recently. Yep. If you haven't seen that movie, I'm going to spoil the ending right now for just like a couple seconds. So I'll give you a uh, warning right now. Hit skip 15 seconds. So the end of that film is basically humans are evolving to consume plastic mm-hmm. as a food source. And there's now, I saw a video the other day where someone's trying to develop plastic into food or ch- turn it into food. Wow. Which is wild. That's crazy. That's, that was such a smart movie. It's clever. It's really good, There's too. a lot of great themes in that movie that Cronenberg threw in there that is so relevant to the society and culture now. 
I, it was my favorite horror movie last year. All right, let's get back into Indiana Jones in the Dial of Destiny. Let's do it. Preview. Now, I want to give a little background on Indy. You know, we all love him. We Who all know he, the guy. Jim? Who is he? Let's talk Who about him in depth. Indiana Jones was born on July 1st, 1899 wow. in Princeton, New Jersey. Jones's life was indelibly influenced <laughs> when he accomplished his parents' I'm sorry, when he accompanied his parents, Henry <laughs> Sr. and Anna Jones, on a world lecture tour from 1908 to 1910. Throughout his travels, Jones encountered many important figures in history who shaped his outlook on life. After their return home, his mother became ill and passed away. The father and son relocated to Utah in 1912. Their already difficult relationship became increasingly strained. As Henry Sr. withdrew into his studies, Indiana found himself in various locations as his father lectured once again. Wow, that was shown really great in Last Crusade. Yeah, it was. It wasn't like overdone. They didn't. He, they didn't like go into too much exposition. But you could tell just from the direction and the and the actors and just a two minute scene. You could. T- you learned everything about the relationship. You don't have to see. You, you don't, don't have, have to see his face. You don't have to explain what's going on, but just show it. We don't see Henry Sr.'s face until later in the film. It's genius. Mm-hmm. By 1916, Indiana and his father had moved back to Princeton. While on spring break that year, Indiana quit high school, briefly participated in the Mexican Revolution, and spent the next two years fighting in World War I. Afterwards, he attended the University of Chicago, where he studied archaeology under Professor Abner Ravenwood, later transferring to France, where he learned an undergraduate where he earned an undergraduate degree in linguistics. In 1925, he began a brief relationship with Ravenwood's daughter, Marion, which collapsed his friendship with the mentor. Once a graduate, his early years as an archaeology teacher in London was where he met student Deirdre Campbell. Their romance led to marriage in 1926, but a plane crash took Deirdre's life soon after. I didn't know that. In the years leading up to World War II, Jones secured a teaching position at Marshall College. In 1936, the U.S. government contracted him to find the Ark of the Covenant, which led him to be reunited with Marion Ravenwood. The relationship lasted until Jones left a week before their wedding, unaware that his fiance was carrying their child. During the war, Jones joined the OSS and subsequent Cold War brought the Soviets into competition as a new world power. And he was a colonel. Indy was a what? He was a colonel as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Indy found himself the focal point of their quest for Akatar. And after Soviet agents kidnapped him in 1957, he agreed to help his newfound son, Mutt Williams, rescue Harold Oxley, Mutt's father figure and a friend of Jones, during which Indy and Marion were reconciled and finally led to marriage. So that's a little background on Indiana Jones. And I kind of want to also talk about— I didn't know he was married before the first film. Yeah. What do we want from an Indiana Jones movie? You know, I I have a list of things that— I think as viewers, as lovers of the character that we really want to see in this film, obviously we talked about it earlier, Indiana Jones, our Indiana Jones, not some new Indiana Jones. The one obviously, we know, the one we recognize. But obviously Indy being old is going to be a major theme of the film, which I think that they'll tackle really effectively and use it as a main plot-telling device for the character. We want to see some archaeology and tomb raiding. I want to see incredible practical stunts. We've seen that from the trailer, obviously, briefly. I want to see puzzles being solved. I want to see cigarettes being smoked. I don't know what it is with Hollywood today, but even if it's a period piece set in a decade before 1980 or 90, the cigarettes are just gone nowadays. And that's it's a new that's, rating system. It's a huge yeah. aesthetic for time periods, and everyone used to smoke. So whenever I'm watching a movie and I don't see cigarettes everywhere, I'm just like, come on. Like, it's just a cigarette. I know yeah. you don't want to see kids, you don't want kids to smoke cigarettes, but I feel like that's part of, also part of Indiana Jones. You know, Marion. Lighting up that huge cigarette is just like an iconic yeah, shot for me. You know shot, what I mean? Yeah. And I want to, like we said earlier, Indy be the hero. Yeah, I would say Indy getting into fist fights. Uh, it, also, Indy riding a horse, swinging on the whip. You got to have that. And also, a great villain. Uh, Indiana Jones movies always have good villains. And some of them are a couple of like the, the coolest villains we've ever had. But having Maz Mickelson and Boyd Holbrook doing double duty as villains and antagonists in this film, I think that has a lot of potential because Boy Holbrook was a terrific villain, kind of like the subsidiary villain in Logan as well. Uh, and it looks like he has the same kind of duty in this film. And we love Boyd Holbrook. He's kind of never made it into like big stardom as a leading man in Hollywood. But I think he has a lot of potential and upside. And he has he, he's a very talented actor. So this might be his big break because it didn't Narcos, he's the lead, but it didn't make him a superstar like I was expecting it would. 
So maybe this might be the film for him. And also, Mads Mikkelsen, I think, is one of the most talented actors working today around the world. I loved him in Another Year in The Hunt. He's also terrific in a lot of American films. He was one of the most memorable Bond villains as La Chifra in Casino Royale. And so hopefully he brings some more of that incredible acting into the antagonist role of another big budget film. Boyd's awesome in The Predator too. It's just oh, yeah. that movie was, you know, a poorly written in a bomb. Yeah. So I think that was the movie that I thought was going to propel him to superstar and being like a, a regular leading man. But I think he has the potential, like you said, to be like a le- leading action man, which I could definitely see happening. Now, obviously we we're talking about the Dial Dust Destiny. Is it a time travel artifact? Is Does it have some kind of magic to it? You know, magic is talked about in the trailer. The trailer only has a couple pieces of dialogue. We have some from Sala who says some lines like, I miss the desert, I miss waking up and going on adventures, something like that. And then Indy has a line about magic. Let me pull it up here real quick. So Indy says, I've believed in magic a few times in my life. I've seen things, things I can't explain. I've come to believe it's not so much what you believe, it's how hard you believe it. So, is magic going to take place, or not necessarily magic, but like kind of like the supernatural going to have an element in this film? Is time travel going to exist? I'm going to say, give me time travel. Let's go. Give me something crazy. Yeah, why, not? why the hell not? Yeah. I mean, we went aliens with the last one. Why not time travel? And also something that I've always really wanted to see in a movie, and I think could potentially be in this, is Atlantis. Oh, really? Now, Atlantis, we all know, is the most wonderful, advanced, ancient civilization that could have existed. It's not, it has not been confirmed. There's no real evidence of it besides speculation of megaliths and things like that. But obviously, who is it, Plato wrote about it? Or was it Socrates? <laughs> it was either Plato or Socrates. <laughs> I don't know. Hold on. Wrote about Atlantis. That's how it's been ca- passed uh-huh. down. Is uh-huh. is either? Hold on. Let me pull it up real quick. Atlant- and also, but the Atlantis would be interesting because they did El Dorado in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So why not do Atlantis? And okay, mean- so yeah, it's it's Plato who told the story of Atlantis around 360 BC. Mm-hmm. He was told that story, I believe, by the Egyptians. I believe when he visited Egypt, if I'm correct. Someone can correct me on that. But I believe uh, an, an Egyptian priest told him told him about that, and that's one of the ways it's been passed down. I mean, I would love to see that because the El Dorado had a major p- part to play in Kingdom of Crystal Skull. Like, why not go to these famous ancient cultures that have not even been proven to be existent? So I, I'm all for that. And also, exploring underwater would be fascinating for Indiana Jones. He's never been there before. And what? Yeah, that's a good point as yeah. well. And what if? The Atlanteans had discovered time travel, and it led to their demise, and that's why their civilization has been lost for so long. It's possible, yeah. What if that's why the ocean supposedly sucked their entire civilization up, which is what a lot of people believe? I believe in Atlantis. I think it's out there somewhere. I believe. And I would love to see it in a major film like this and explore that. And, like, ancient civilizations are so fascinating. So what if the Atlanteans figured out time travel, the Dial of Destiny somehow plays a factor in that, and what if the Nazis have <laughs> discovered Atlantis or are close to discovering Atlantis and they're trying to get the Dial of Destiny because maybe they need that for the time travel if that's what exists. Yeah. But I can see and I hope that Atlantis is in this film. And also what we know that will be in this film is, of course, the music. And our boy Jay Dubs, the GOAT, John Williams, has been confirmed he is returned for this film. He's pretty much done with the score. To have him is so important to Indiana Jones. You could have film. You could have composers that could kind of emulate what he does. You could get Giacchino to come in there. You could get Harry Gregson Williams to go in there to kind of emulate the John Williams style. But it's it's not John Williams, so you could probably have an AI get pretty yeah, close. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, you don't have Spielberg directing. Okay, you have, but you have another great director. But I think that John Williams is irreplaceable in terms of crafting the music for a film like this, for a franchise like this, where he has been involved so heavily in the stories from day one. And so even though they don't have the guy behind the camera that they always have had, at at least they still have John Williams making the music. So I think that 
is so important, vital to uh, indie film working. He just previewed some of the music. I believe it was Helena's theme. Oh, cool! At a live show in Italy, which is the first time he's done that for an indie movie, is showcasing the music. But he's been teasing the music, and I'm very excited. We got a little bit of it, I think, recently, in the trailer. I think in the trailer, possibly. Yeah. But another guy behind the camera is cinematographer Fidon Pat Michael. Now he has been working with. Mangled for a while. I believe this will be like their seventh movie together. Wow. And how we didn't get nominated for Ford vs. Ferrari is beyond me. That was really well shot. That was an incredibly yeah. filmed movie. One of the best movies of the last five years. I, I, people don't talk about that movie enough. It, it, he's really a terrific filmmaker and cinematographer. I think what he did with Logan was exceptional. So I'm really excited to see what he does behind the camera. But also capturing that Spielberg aesthetic. You know, when you watch a Spielberg movie... You know, it's Steven Spielberg behind the camera. Are they going to try to emulate what Spielberg does in his movies and what he did with his Indiana Jones films, but at the same time making it their own style? Well, so yeah, the thing, what what Spielberg did with his cinematography in the indie films is he emulated the lighting techniques of the 20s and 30s. So uh, they would use, back then, they would film, and in the 40s and 50s too, they would film in big sound stages, and it would be just a shit ton of lights overhead. And it would be like harsh lighting on the actors. And the Coen brothers did it in Hail Caesar, like that scene with uh, Alden Ironrich and Ray Fiennes. Uh, what a tour, so simple. <laughs> to the tour. Beautiful looking scene because they lit it that way. And so all of the interior, pretty much all the interior scenes that Spielberg shoots in indie films, they have that same lighting technique of very strong, harsh lighting on actors. And you'll you'll see shadows, you'll... It'll be have it'll have like the fill in the back to to line the edges of the actors out of their shoulders and heads. Some filmmakers add that implement. Uh, Tarantino does all of his lighting like that. Uh, PTA does the, does his lighting like that, but they kind of modernize it with softer key lights. But Spielberg in a lot of the indie films, he'll just go like, "Let's blast them with light." Because it makes it feel like, well, it feels like this was shot in the 30s. And it feels like the atmosphere of that of that room. But exactly. also, you know what that those strong lights also accentuate is smoke. Oh, and yeah. Cigarette smoke, but also indie movies, there's smoke everywhere. There's always, whenever <laughs> he's in a room, there's smoke going. And I hope they, they stick to that Better aesthetic. be smoky I want to see some cigarettes. man. I want to see some ciggies being ripped in this movie. They better be ripping butts. <laughs> You're a bad influence on kids, I don't, Jim. Hey, You're it's, a just, it's the 1940s and 60s, man. Like Everyone was smoking <laughs> cigarettes. They didn't know. No one knew. How bad it was. They're smoking on airplanes. <laughs> you, you, were, pretty recently. you can smoke and bring a gun on an airplane <laughs> for a while. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm a cop. <laughs> John McClane gun on an airplane ripping That's butts. true, that's true, yeah. <laughs> but ultimately, I think Mangold uh, is a really good choice for spearheading this ad- for the spearheading the sequel. And his track record is pretty immaculate. Even his early films, like Copland, is a really good film. Yeah, he it's made awesome that movie. when he was like 28, yeah. and that's a terrific film. So he's always been a very strong director and writer. I have a good feeling about him taking over the helm. I have a good feeling about this new cast members that we have. I love Antonio Banderas. He's he's one of my favorite actors, so to have him involved, I think is very exciting. And so I can't wait to see him. Maybe he'll be like the friend that betrays Indy. I'm mean, that's that what, tends one of my happen. questions is who's gonna betray Indy? Yeah. <laughs> he might be the one. We don't know like yet. Like Ray Rinstone did in Kingdom. Yeah. He always gets happens. betrayed by somebody. Yeah. We'll, so we'll see. We'll see. But I honestly am I was not excited. I wasn't that jazzed about this until I saw the trailer. Jazzed. <laughs> the trailer was terrific and exciting. And I saw a lot of great practical stunt work. I saw the D. Da-na, exactly, na. yeah. The DH shots looked fantastic. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge looks like she fits in perfectly with Harrison Ford. I had medium expectations, and then after I saw the trailer, I was like, okay, I'm excited for this. I can't wait for June. I thought it was a really great teaser and put me over the edge to be very excited for this film. What do you think is going to be a box office looking like for this film? What would you predict? I would say, so indie films never make that much opening. I think Kingdom of Crystal Skull made 70 mil opening, if I'm correct. I would say Indie 5 would make probably 80, 85 million opening weekend. All right. Now, what about, I mean, not just an opening, but for, oh, for total? total? I, uh, this will make 600 or 700 million globally. I can see it definitely pulling that. Now, 
the previous Indiana Jones films, they're not known for being wildly successful compared to today's standards yeah. when $400 million for a Marvel movie is a bomb. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the most successful indie film is Raiders of the Lost Ark, which grossed $248 million. That also had a couple different releases, but its first run, it was about $220 million it made. Adjusted for inflation, that's $810 million. So that's a very successful movie back in 1981. Then in 1984, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom made $179 million back then, which is for gross and inflation, adjusted for inflation, $489 million, so 500 mil. That's really successful as well. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, $197 million back in 1989, and that's adjusted for inflation, $452 million today. Successful as hell. And then Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, ironically, was the worst performer. It made $317 million at the box office in 2008, and already adjusted for inflation, you have to put that up to $404 million. Now... I have a feeling that this movie will be successful, but I think it will it will go nowhere near a billion dollars. It does not have the links, and also I don't think that younger audiences are interested in period pieces. So I don't have this going anywhere near a Marvel movie's gross, or well, I just don't see it going anywhere near a billion. I can see it making a billion if it's a great movie. I you know don't. no one expected Top Gun to make a one point seven. Yeah, but it's still a contemporary film. I think that the period setting is maybe in disinterest younger people. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's actually No matter what they point. hear about it online, like I don't want to see this old guy in the 60s fighting bad guys. I it's think not, that, not that some, might be a thing. So I think that there's still so much box office potential with the 30 and up crowd. So they're going to hit that, but obviously the 13 to 25 is an important crowd to hit for movies. And they're not going to get much of that. So, and also, kids aren't going to go see this movie unless it's like their parents taking them. But that's they 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 they're walking into this knowing that. I think that Disney and Lucasfilm will be happy with five hundred million. Yeah, and you know, Indiana Jones is an old man. Yeah. Harrison Ford's an old guy yeah. now, and that's going to be something that they yeah. have to tackle. They have they can't not make it a part of the story. And I think James Mangold, he has a great quote saying that. To me, whatever your greatest liability is, and this film would be Indiana Jones's age, you should fly straight towards it. If you try to pretend it's not there, you end up getting sil- getting slings and arrows yeah. the whole way. So I think that, you know, obviously, like you talked about earlier, what he did with Logan was really effective with an aging character, an aging actor, out of their prime, you could say. Not saying that Hugh wasn't fucking jacked in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely shredded. Didn't see that coming. Um, get ready for that for the for Deadpool three, but you know he was aging. Yeah, yeah, Same yeah. thing with but now we have Harrison Ford who's in his eighties doing stunts, but also having stunt actors with the DH face on top of him. How will that look in terms of some sequences? Will it look kind of like the Irishman with De Niro, where sometimes when he's well, kicking that guy in the street, I will, it didn't, I will it say Harris, like an older Harrison's guy. still quite agile and. Quite physical, whereas Bobby definitely isn't. He would, but Bo- I think Bob's that still. I mean, he did that yeah. boxing movie with Stallone not that long ago. Yeah, that was ten years ago. It's that true, was, but he's, that was he's, pretty long. He's, ago. I think he did fine, but I would say, I think Mangle could have a lot of fun with it, where maybe he tries to fight a bunch of bad guys and he can't do much with them because he's so old. So I think they, they they might have some fun plans with it. That's what I mean. So I yeah. think they're gonna tackle Indy's old head on. And not try to shy yeah. away from it, and not, and not try to like just cut it, cut to a stunt guy being the crap out of a bunch of dudes who's yeah. acting like he's thirty five years old. He's not going like, to do any double punches in his anymore. Prime, <laughs> yeah. It's going to be like an old. They're going to make it. It's an old guy. Yeah. But you're probably right. Where a lot of younger fans that don't really like indie that much or haven't even seen the don't movies, even know. Yeah. they're not going to go see this old guy. Yeah. In fighting Nazis. Yeah. So they're. It's not going to hit the young crowd at all. But that's okay. They. It's this movie. I think. The audience is 30 and up, and they're okay with that. True. I really like the concept of the moon landing being here. You know, Me too. The, the space race and the moon landing is so fascinating. I wonder if, if they'll play with the conspiracy and the theories of was it fake, was it staged, was it I real? I don't think. I think that might just be a No, background. just play with it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Play with yeah, the, the maybe, theories. Yeah, maybe. Because it was an exciting time that 
we didn't live in, obviously. We can only look back at documentaries and read articles about it and, and watch videos on YouTube of what was happening. But to, to grow up in that era, you know, our parents talk about how they were watching on their TV a freaking rocket ship went to space yeah. and people landed on the moon and they were like, this is the craziest shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's really fascinating. And I think it's really cool because obviously our mother was born in 62 and that was Apollo 9. I'm not sure which Apollo which, was. Which one? Not sure. Because yeah, I think it was Apollo nine. Apollo was... eleven went to the moon, right? Yeah, Apollo yeah. eleven went to the moon. This is the the first one that yeah. landed. Maybe Neil Armstrong will be in this movie. Who knows? Cameo and Buzz. Yeah, Aldrin. But also something that I'm very curious about being in this movie, which I doubt it will be because you know we're dealing with a different kind of Hollywood. Is religion. Religion has always played a major role in oh, every Indiana yeah. Jones film, mm-hmm. whether it's Judaism, Christianity, or other religions from around the world. In every film, film religion Hinduism, yeah. is well. I don't know if that was exactly Hinduism. I think that was like a different kind of part of uh, a different mm-hmm. type of Indian religion. But they obviously, it's not accurate to like they weren't really sacrificing. Oh no! People. Yeah, 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 yeah. That probably was just like they found a religion and just like made it insane yeah, just yeah. for the film. Yeah. I wonder if religion will play a role in this movie because it's always been a thematic element and kind of a reality for the characters in Indiana and Jones for movies. For ancient cultures, religion mm-hmm. was their sciences, so I think that it will. If you're exploring ancient cultures, religion has to be an aspect of whatever religion it was. I know, but it's also, but now this is a Disney-owned property, yeah. and a lot, you know, it seems like religion is being kind of taken out of film and TV today. Mm-hmm. Whether you believe in religion or not, it's yeah. still been an, a, an important storytelling device for a long time, and it's always been important to Harrison, I mean, to Indiana Jones and the stories and the characters. I wonder if Disney's going to remove it. I think they'll keep it in. I think if because you're if you're gonna implement ancient culture, there's has to be religion is one of the most important factors of any ancient culture. So I have a feeling they'll keep it in, but it's 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 a good thing to bring up and it's a valid point because yeah, you're you're seeing it less and less. But I mean, I'm not sure what what ancient cultures are gonna be heavily used in this one. Do you know? We're not, I don't know. Not yet. Seen, no. If it's Atlantis, then we'll maybe see. there's an Atlantean religion we'll, that'll be we'll used. We'll find out. Yeah, because I haven't seen any kind of symbolism, but I haven't looked frame by frame of like another religion yeah, I, mean, I don't I don't want to anal- over I don't like over analyzing f- images and I just watch the trailer, trailers yeah. and I've begun if I can watching trailers at first in a theater and it's become a better experience and kind of brings me back to being a kid and seeing trailers in, in the movie theater for the first time and I'm, I'm sure liking it I'm sure redditors are like frame by frame yeah, analyzing. Like why would, I don't understand why you want to spoil a movie before you see it hey, some people like to do that you know they want to know I don't want to know they want to know all right, you got anything else other, to add? Uh, No, other than I'm very excited for this film, and I can't wait for June to come. Me neither. And I believe there's an Indiana Jones video game being developed with Lucasfilm Games, Machine Games, and Bethesda Softworks. It was announced to be in development with Tom Todd Howard executive producing, so I guarantee probably 2024 we'll be getting an Indiana Jones video game. Sounds fun. Which actually sounds pretty sick. Yeah, I might play that. Get that for the PS5. <laughs> But other than that, thank you so much for tuning in to our preview, everything we know about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Let us know what you think about this movie in the comments on YouTube where you can reply to the question posed on Spotify. Hit us a DM. Let us know your thoughts on Indy 5. Are you excited? Are you not excited? Are you (laughs) kind of skeptical? Are you, let's go, I can't wait. Are you already trying to buy your tickets? We'll be there opening night. Hopefully we'll get the invite from IMAX to come early. But we can't wait. Namesake of the show. We love Indiana Jones. Harrison Ford is the man. They don't make him like that anymore. <laughs> and cannot wait to see this film from James Mangold. And thank you to Spotify for letting us do this episode at your headquarters. It was terrific. Take care, everybody. Bye. This episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast was executive produced by our chosen one patrons. Luke Exelston, Tyler McFly, Darren Singleton, Anthony DeMeo, Becca Keen, Cody Moen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Cam, Sal Koching, Nick Martin, and Chandler Johnson. Thank you so much for supporting our show. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.